This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. We are in a um, series here at Schweitzer looking at, at the idea of growing. Uh, we have a mission statement at Schweitzer. It's to, to be about transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ as we worship, grow, and serve. So a week ago, Pastor Bob kicked us off with our sermon series on growing. And one of the things that was involved with that, that kickoff of the sermon series was uh, an insert into the bulletin that's a, uh, what do I want to call it, Pastor Jim? Help me out here. It's an assessment form, right? There we go. It's an assessment. And so that each and every one of us can kind of uh, take a look at where we're at on our spiritual journey and assess how are we doing within the categories of worship, growing, and serving. Are we, are we connecting? Are we, are, are we finding ourselves walking closer with to God, or do we need some help along the way, some work along the way? And really, it's a sort of a, a personal assessment. And if you weren't here last week, we have, we have plenty of those available for us. Or maybe you were here, but you shared your bulletin with your spouse, and your spouse filled it out. So um, we've got more assessments that are in the, in the foyer. We'd encourage you to pick that up and to take that and, and to really um, just chart over this next year, where, where's God taking you and where's God taking us as a church? Today we're going to be talking about growing in, in one particular place, growing with our engagement in the Bible, growing in the Bible. And there's a phrase that I'd like to, to give to you that will come up uh, throughout our time together. It's this phrase, take up and read, take up and read. Um, when I was, uh, well, you've, you've been in here a few times, if you've been in here a few times the last few weeks, you'll notice that Pastor Bob sometimes gives me um, a little bit of grief because I like books, and, and I'm a reader at this stage and phase of my life, and not only do I like books, and not only do I like to read books, but I like to give books to other people, and so when I'm oftentimes engaged in a conversation, somebody will be telling me about something, and it will trigger in my mind probably a book that speaks to that endeavor. And so some of the people on staff that I get to work with, when I have a book in my hand, they hate to see me coming because they know that I'm going to ask them to read it. And it's like, uh, really, how many, you know, how many books, one of the phrases I've heard around the office is like, how many books can we read in a, in a year? And I'm like, not enough. And they're like, ah, I think. So I like, I like books. But liking books was not always my forte. In fact, by the time I gra- graduated high school, I had only read six books. Six books by the time I graduated high school. And five of those books I read after the age of 14. Because there was another book that I began to engage with, and that book was, was the Bible. About the time of, uh, well, it was in the fall of, of my 14th year, and there were a lot of things happening in my life, but there was something happening deep down within the within the inner recesses of my spirit, amongst everything else that was going on. I began to have this sort of nudge or inclination or this invitation to take up the Bible and and to begin reading it. Now, I had grown up in church. We went to church every Sunday. If the church had church services Sunday night, oftentimes we went Sunday night as well as Sunday morning. We went, I I was a part of a youth group. During the summer, I went to youth camp. I was a, a pretty good kid. I mean, I was a little dorky, but I was pretty good. And in fact, uh, I think we've got some dorky pictures somewhere along the line. There we, there we go. Um, 
And that's not the worst of it all. Even some more. There we go. That's pretty bad right there. But this, this in my spirit, amidst everything else, it was like this big question hanging over my life. Like, like what do you really believe? And what do you think? And where are you going? And what are you going to do about scriptures? That's, now that's fun. Pastor Jim loves that one. In fact, uh, this morning, as, as Moses and I were coming into church, we passed, went by a pasture, and there was a bunch of cattle in the pasture. And I'm like, oh, what a beautiful sight. It's just a gorgeous morning. Sun was up shining, you know, up bright, and the grass was glistening. The, the grass, the grass was glistening, and the cattle were out there. And um, yeah, I know how to do hair on cattle. So anybody want hair done? I can do that. Um, I digress. Um, this, just this inner conversation was taking place. And so I'm like, what am I going to do about this? What am I going to do about the, the narrative of, of Scripture? And so I began to, to take my Bible at night and up in my bedroom, and I began to read. I started off in the book of Leviticus. Now, if, if you ever want to start in a spot reading Scripture that's not really a great spot, and if you ever want to be introduced to a world that looks nothing like your world, start reading the Scriptures in the book of Leviticus. It's like, um, it is weird, okay? It's just very different, it's weird, and you're like, I don't, I don't know what to do with this. So it wasn't very long after that I started reading in the book of Leviticus, and I, and I finished it. I went all the way through it. And I said, maybe I ought to go read some of the stories of Jesus, because I've heard the stories of Jesus, right, at church and in, in Sunday school and at church camp. I've heard these stories, but how do they all connect? How do you put it all together? So I started reading the Gospels, and then I found myself reading some of the letters of Paul, and I fell in love with the book of Philippians. And then I read the, the book of James, and it was like every, every time I'd read the book of James. I couldn't go very far before something was hitting me right where I was at right now. And I'm like, stop the bus. I've got to deal with some stuff. Who I am. And as I would read, it was like all the stuff that I had sung about, the songs of Jesus, and, and all the stories I'd heard about began to come to life. And when I would take the scriptures and read them, it, was, it wasn't like reading something long, long ago, something in the past, but it was more like being at a, at a park bench or at a table. And there was a conversation taking place between Jesus and myself. I don't know how that happened, but I, I can tell you that it started to happen. As I've read a number of stories and a number of people's stories over the years, I've discovered that that often there has to come to each and every one of us an invitation to take up and read. There was a guy about 1,600 years ago who had the same kind of invitation. His name was, we call him St. Augustine. But when the invitation came to Augustine, he was no saint. He was in his mid-30s, and he was, he was on track to put together a significant philosophical school in the city of Milan, uh, Milan, Italy. But to get this school started and to have the kind of heft that Augustine wanted it to have, he had to do a number of things. One of the things he had to do was he had to engage with and then let go of all of his spiritual moorings and his spiritual musings. And then he had had a, a almost wife, but a longtime lover, a 15-year lover who had given him a son. And people began to talk about Augustine about how, with Augustine about how this longtime lover was a drag on his career. 
And so Augustine, after 15 years, decided to, to send her away because she was going to be a drag on his career. And so he began to engage with and connect to another lady in Milan who had significant resources. And resources were all about, you know, he was after those, he wasn't really after her, he was after the resources to build this school, to have a career, to have a, to have a reputation. And yet in his heart, Augustine was, I mean, he was empty. He's like a ship without a sail. He was a ship without an anchor. And he just, I mean, when you put it in that kind of perspective, when you really tally up what's the motivation of your heart, you find that you're a little, you're a little empty yourself. So one day Augustine went for a walk into a garden. And as he was in the garden, he says in his, in his autobiography that he began to hear a voice. It was a voice of a child. He'd, he could never place where the voice came from, but it was a voice that kept saying to him, take up and read. Take up and, and read. And he knew that the, the voice was calling him to take up and read the scriptures. To take up and embark upon looking at a, at a text that he had written off because it wasn't intellectual enough. Or it wasn't a work that really spoke to where he thought he was headed. Take up and read. So Augustine turned to the pages of Romans and he began to hear the voice of God speak something new into his life at that moment. Take up and read, or this invitation to read, is something that, that I had to experience, that Augustine experienced, that in fact even Timothy, who's a Somebody who's, who's doing the work of ministry has to hear from the Apostle Paul. See, Timothy is, is uh, at work, engaged in ministry in a Greek and, and Roman town. And he's got all kinds of questions like, what does the Bible that Jesus read, what we would call the Old Testament, what does the Bible that Jesus read have to say to me, have to say about life, have to say about ministry? Because there's all kinds of stories that I, I just don't know how to connect to. There's stories about this guy Abraham and about this people who were, who were Jews, who were Hebrews, and how does that relate to where we're at? How does that connect to us? And so Paul, knowing that there are all these questions, writes a reply to Timothy and to the church that Timothy pastors. Paul says this, Timothy, don't let the questions phase you. Stick with what you learned and believed, sure of the integrity of your teachers, why, you, you took in the sacred scriptures with your mother's milk. There's nothing like the written word of God for showing you the way to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Every part of scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the word, we are put together and we're shaped for the tasks that God has for us. Paul to Timothy suggests three, I think, significant features about Scripture and why we ought to take up and read and, and embark on, on, on giving ourselves to, to engaging Scripture. He talks about, um, talks about the purpose of Scripture, and then he talks about the power that's within Scripture, and he talks about how Scripture is, is useful to our present day. If you, um, if you were to step back for a second and begin listing on a sheet of paper all of the ways in which people have used Scripture, I'm going to guess that you're going to find 
there are, there are a number of ways that have been noble and a number of ways that have been ignoble. In fact, I just, um, we pulled some pictures for you to think about how people use Scripture in, in our present reality. Some use them, uh, they go to the pages of Scripture to get some really epic tales for great movies, right? If you want a, an epic movie, you can go to Scripture and you can read a narrative and, and it can give you an idea for that. Some people will, um, this week even, they'll think about Valentine's Day coming up at the end of the week. And if you need some romantic literature, you can go. In fact, I, I was surprised this morning when I came up here and found the Song of Solomon opened here, or the Song of Songs. Um, Pastor Jim was concerned I was going to mention another book. I said, and I said, no, the Song of Songs right there, and you don't want me to read that because we'll all blush if, if we start reading that in here today. Um, because it, it could be used for that. Some people will think about scriptures as a way to um, define their, their diet or what they eat. Like in the book of Daniel, there's this interesting description of how Daniel and a number of his friends ate. And so then they, they go to it and they lift it out, almost as if the world is the same between Daniel's world and our world, and we can just duplicate it or copy it. And some people will say, well the, well, the Bible can tell you how to vote. Um, all of these Purposes are how people use the Bible. You can name probably countless others. The interesting thing that Paul says to Timothy is that there's really one central focus, one overarching focus that the, that the narrative of Scripture has for us. And that's to tell us about God. And that's to tell us about the story of God. And that's to tell us about how God loves us and how God cares for us and how he sent Jesus into the world to walk in the flesh, to be God in the flesh, to walk down streets that we walk, to encounter things that we encounter. In fact, the purpose of, of the pages of Scripture, the purpose of the stories that are there are to tell us the story of God. And Paul will say that whenever we miss that big overarching story and we begin to focus on the smaller things, we begin to lose the power of God that's present. We begin to lose, we begin to lose the central story. In fact, the story that we're all invited to participate in, the story of God. And so Paul says, you know, there are a lot of people who will, to Timothy, and I think he might even say it to us. There are a lot of people who will walk around and say a lot of things are biblical or a lot of things are in the Bible, and, and in fact, there are. There's a lot of things in the Bible that are just, they make your head, head spin. In fact, a lot of times, what the Scripture really wants us to see is that it's describing the world as it is, but not as it should be always. <clears throat> but in fact, God does want a different kind of world. And God's not afraid of engaging the world as it is. And he's not afraid to call us into the world as God wants it to be. So God, through Timothy, or through Paul, and to Timothy says this. Um, when you look at the pages of Scripture, and when you read the stories, begin to listen for what God is up to. Because the stories are to remind us of what God is up to. And then Paul says, um, so there's this, this purpose to tell us the story of God. And then there's, because that's a, a central purpose, there's a power that goes along with it. God's invested in telling his story. Have you ever, um, ever wanted to tell your story to somebody else? Um, you kind of make sure that you, if you're in a spot and somebody asks you for your story, you, you're going to tell your story. Um, and there's some power behind that. 
God has power behind his, his story so that when we begin to encounter it, we begin to encounter, we begin to encounter him. One of the things Paul says to Timothy is that God inspired this text that we have before us. And he uses a, an image or a metaphor there of like God breathing over the pages of, of Scripture. And he really picks up on the metaphor of, uh, that opens Genesis 1. And Genesis 1 opens with the idea of, how about the next picture? Genesis 1 opens with the picture of the world covered in water. And it's actually a very chaotic and tumultuous scene. But then it starts with, with God's Spirit hovering over the water. And then God begins to speak. And out of tumult and chaos, God begins to draw forth life. And he begins to set order into motion. And when Paul says to Timothy that God has, has inspired it, he's using that image or that metaphor from Genesis 1 to say God is present and he's he's. He's whispered over the lives of all of the writers of Scripture. Now, if, if you read the Old Testament or the New Testament, you can't help but encounter people who are not having some very good days. You can't help encounter people whose lives are chaotic, who have a lot of um, tension, whose lives are not, are not always pretty. And yet, over, over the fulcrum of their life, over the arc of their life, God is present and he's He's speaking and he's drawing out goodness and he's drawing out life and he's, he's drawing out things that they could never dream or imagine. And Paul says, uh, that's the image when you think about God is speaking into this. And where is the power? It's the power that God is, is overarching us. And he's watching over us like a dove hovering over the waters of creation. One of the books that I ran across recently a book that had a title that said, um, you just ought to pay attention to this book. And, and I was really drawn in by the title, so I bought it. It's called Reading the Bible with the Damned. And I'd recommend it to, well, I'd recommend it to all of you. If you don't have a book that you're reading right now, uh, pick up Reading the Bible with the Damned. In it, Bob Eckbald is a, is a guy who's served as a missionary in, in Central and South America. He's also served as somebody who speaks in... In prisons as kind of a prison chaplain here in the States and then he's also worked among uh, migrant workers some who have documents and some who don't and uh, he encounters a lot of people who who are afraid of the Bible they're scared of what the Bible might say because they think that the Bible is like a book of, of judgment against them and yet Ekbald um, talks about how he loves to go back to the opening pages of Genesis where the world is in chaos and it's in tumult and when he lets them describe what their world is like they begin to describe it as a world of chaos and tumult and then he says let me show you this picture this picture of the of the world before it was created and then what God does and Ekbald says as people take up the pages of Scripture and read them, not just like a historical account, but read them almost as a mirror, they begin to see that there's power and that God is not distant from them, but God is close. So Paul writes, he says, there's a purpose, there's a power to Scripture, and there's a present-day effectiveness of Scripture. I told you that when I began to read James, I almost had to stop every couple of sentences because it was like 
Everything that was there was, was just sort of like a present day speaking into my life. Um, one of the ministries that, that's ongoing here at Schweitzer is Jobs for Life. And there's a picture of, of the latest Jobs for Life class. And one of the, the things that happens in that class is, is people engage the stories of Scripture in that way that, uh, that Scripture is like a mirror. And uh, in this, in the Jobs for Life curriculum, they talk about how a number of us have roadblocks in life. And, and the students begin to identify what some of the roadblocks are. And then, and then a question is posed like, how do you overcome your roadblocks? What are, what are ways to overcome your roadblocks? And, and in that sort of response, in, in that sort of teaching, um, the curriculum goes to the pages of Scripture, to the life of Joseph in particular. One of the stories they use is the life of Joseph. And Joseph, if you know his story from, uh, from the la last part of Genesis, Joseph got, has all kinds of roadblocks in his life. He's got all kinds of places where um, he's thrown in a pit or he's thrown in jail, where things that he hopes to happen don't happen. They don't come to fruition. And yet, along the way, Joseph begins to find that God is faithful. God has his hand at work in his life, and God is, God is there, and God's calling for something out of Joseph's life. He's, he's calling for faithfulness. He's calling for truth. He's, and the students begin to see that, that what is happening in the past has got something to say about their own present reality, where they're at, and how they can move forward. So, Paul says to Timothy, there's a purpose behind Scripture, there's a power behind Scripture, there's a present place of usefulness behind Scripture. So he says to Timothy, and he says to the church, take it up and read it. Take it up and engage it. He's really saying not just to the church then, but he's saying it to us now. Take up Scripture, engage in it. A couple years ago, I was coming off of a, of a season of intense study and I had an opportunity to have a conversation with my aunt who at this point um, I was really surprised by how the conversation unfolded but she looked at me and she said you know Jason you've you've been studying scripture for a long time you've been preaching for a long time she said do you get it do you get what scripture is about and, and I was surprised by this because as a little boy when we would have Sunday night church, I would put my head in her lap and she would caress my head and I'd, I'd go to sleep in the midst of the service, you know. My aunt had been around church all of her life, carried her Bible lots of places, deeply engaged in what God was up to. And yet here she was, she was approaching uh, a different stage of life and yet she just, she really wondered, like, it seems like sometimes I try to engage and it's a fog. What, what am I supposed to do? What, do you get it? Can you help me out? At the time, I, I don't remember what kind of answer I gave to her in that moment. But if she were here today, I would say, here are some things that I've learned from Augustine, who had that urging, that invitation to take up and read. Augustine, he had a number of other people who were asking the same question. He said, one of the things that you ought to do, if you're at a spot where you know that there's that invitation to take up and read, and you really don't know how to engage it, Augustine said, begin with prayer. 
Just simply say, God, I'm here, I'm present, and I don't know what I'm supposed to read or how I'm supposed to see it or what I'm supposed to take away from it, but would you just speak into my heart? So Augustine said, begin with prayer. The second thing Augustine said was, when you read, read the whole story. Don't read just in, in little pieces here and there. Don't read from, in a way that you'd skip around. But understand that each and every book, each and every piece has got a sort of a, a central um, piece to it, a central part that it wants to convey. So read, read in the fullness, read in the whole. And not only just read like within, uh, so if, if you're going to read a letter from Paul, read the whole letter. Read the, read the whole letter through to get the, the tenor and the, and the timber. But not just that, but as you can and as you're able, read the full arc of Scripture. One of the reasons why I asked for the shades to go up today is, is that, I don't know if you've ever had a chance to look at the stained glass windows over here, but from this, from this, this window here all the way to the other window, the goal and the hope of the windows is to put the full story of the Bible and the, really the full story of God within these windows that are for us to look at and to imagine and to engage in. You've got creation. You've got the Noah and the ark and the... You've got the birth of Christ. You've got Pentecost. You've got the reality that the sacraments are present and are present with us today. And we've got the hope of glory all the way at the end. As you enter into the um, foyer here, there's a wood relief that was created during a vacation Bible school way back in the late 1980s, I think. And it's probably something that as you enter and exit, you might just walk by. But it's another place where artists and kids have tried to put, put a full sense of the story of God, the full story of Scripture in this wood relief. Somebody after the first service told me they had a, a moment a few weeks ago. They were standing out there and they just sort of took a step back and they looked at it. And they began to see different stories within the pages of Scripture. First this story, and then that story, and then this story. And it began to pop out. And the sense, the real sense of this wood relief is that all of those stories have a cohesive whole. They're intended to tell us about God. They're intended to tell us about God's story. And they're intended to be an invitation to us. To see how God's story can be reflected in our lives. And that God really is inviting us into his story. So Augustine would say to us, read the full story. Don't just read bits and pieces, but read as much as you can. Augustine would say a number of other things, and they're printed on the front of your Pray, Study, Grow. Augustine would say, recognize the different voices of Scripture. Um, scripture's got poetry, and it's got, it's got narrative. It's got metaphor. It's got, it's got apocalyptic literature, which... Um, most people really don't understand, and that's okay. Uh, you don't have to get it, but um, it's got a lot of different voices, and understand the kind of, kinds of voices that are present. He said, let clear passages give insight to the obscure. So like apocalyptic literature, which we're talking about, like the books of Revelation, or maybe even parts of the book of Daniel or some other things, um, those can be really obscure passages, and, and you can read those things, and you'll be like, I, I don't get it. And, and, Paul, and Augustine would say, that's okay, you don't have to get it. You don't have to get it all at, at one moment. But, you know, there's a lot of clear passages of Scripture. We can get those. 
We can understand those. And we can really understand what, what's happening around the story of Jesus. Uh, Augustine would say, rejoice with the variety that's present. The stories that you get, rejoice with, with those stories because they're like, they're like bread that nourishes your soul today. And then when you come to a piece that you just don't understand or, is, um, or you'd like to understand, but it, it seems off kilter in some form or fashion, Augustine says it's, it's part of the Holy Spirit's work to give us things that pique our imagination, that engage our mind, that draw us in, and that, that don't give us uh, simple answers, but give us something that we have to keep working at. Augustine would say, keep the purpose in mind. The purpose of the, really the story of Scripture is to let us hear the call of God to love him, to love our neighbor, to love God and to know that God loves us and to love our neighbor. Keep that in mind. And then Augustine would say, read in community. Don't simply read on your own, but read in a community of others where you can share what you're hearing, you can share what God's up to in your own life, you can share how God is speaking a lively word to other people around you. In fact, in your, in your bulletin today, there are cards about the upcoming Lenten series here at Schweitzer. Um, we're encouraging each and every one of us to get into a group where we can read scripture together, where we can engage in the story. And, and one, one a reading path is to go through the Gospel of John, and another reading path is to go through the book of Philippians and 2 Timothy. And we're really encouraged to, to take up one of those books and to engage in a group. And groups are going to be available this week or next week if you want to uh, sign up for one of those, where you can hear what um, God is, is saying. You can take up the scriptures and read them and then you can hear how God is talking to, to other people around us. We'd encourage you to be a part of that. So at 14, I began reading the scriptures. I began engaging them. And I never knew that in engaging them, that they would take me on a journey that I could ne have never have charted. Like I would never have imagined that someday I'd be in Springfield, Missouri, I would have never imagined that, that a number of the things that I've seen and people that I've met along the way, that opening that book would have taken me on that journey. And some days when I come to Scripture, my mind tells me, <clears throat> you've read this a thousand times, right? What is there new today for you to read in this text? Sometimes I have to remind myself that there's nothing necessarily new in the text. But every time that I come to it, there's a different sort of me that comes to the text. I've seen things, heard things, encountered things. And in fact, God, who is always new, whose mercies are new every morning, has something significant for me that day, where I'm at. God wants to speak to me. God wants to tell me his story. He wants to remind me of his story again. And he wants me to know that something about how his story has shaped others can be bread for my journey today. This spring, I've been reading the book of Acts again. And in the opening of the book of Acts, in the first chapter, there's this moment where the disciples just are kind of stuck. They don't know what to do. Jesus has gone back up to heaven. The Holy Spirit hasn't been poured out. 
They don't know what to do. So they gather and pray. That's all they know what to do. As I read that story this spring, it reminded me of a picture a couple years ago where my family and I were stuck. We didn't know where we were going and we knew we couldn't stay where we were at. We were stuck. And so we began to pray. We began to pray around our dinner table. We began to pray out loud within, within our rooms. And then my wife Anna and our kids made this sign and they hung it above our door. Dear God, what now? We just simply had to pray. As I was reading that text, this picture came back into my mind. And then I had a conversation with somebody else here at Schweitzer, and they were telling me about how they were stuck. It's just a stuckness in life. And, and I said, you know what? I don't know if this means anything to you or not, but when you're at that place, this word of Scripture has just sort of, it's been renewed in my life, and I just want to share it with you. Simply come to a place where you pray. You pray with others and you cry out, Dear God, what now? Um, that's what happens, friends, when you take up and read. You find that God's story, God's story's got something for you today. So take up and read.